Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Loopy Lou, Lidl's award-winning baby range. Hello, I'm Avril Flynn and you're very welcome to the family-friendly HQ's Motherboard podcast. This podcast series features real parents talking about the beautiful but often hard work of raising children in Ireland today. Before we kick this episode off, we have an amazing offer to give you parents out there with babies and toddlers. So today's episode is parenting and grief and this is something that is very close to my own heart. I lost my mum when I was 22 and it had a dramatic effect and still does on my life and it's something that I feel we don't get an opportunity to talk about enough. Unfortunately death is part of life and we've all been affected by it or will be affected by it in the future. However, a lot of us haven't experienced the traumatic loss of a romantic partner or the loss of a parent. Joining me, I have an incredible panel today. We have the founder of Widow.ie, Colette Byrne. Welcome, Colette. Thank you. We have media presenter, producer and all-round legend, Venetia Quick. (laughs) Thank you. And unfortunately, both Colette and Venetia lost their husbands and had to continue then becoming single parents on their own. And also we have Elizabeth Nixon, who is an assistant professor in developmental psychology in Trinity College. Hi, Liz, you're very welcome. And Liz also has been touched by grief in that she lost her own parent in her 20s at a young age. Colette lost Peter 11 years ago and Venetia, you lost Martin nearly two years ago. Yeah, 18 months. 18 months ago. So ago, yeah. And they're going to be discussing their own difficult experiences, but also how they've managed to work through their grief and are at different stages. Or as I say, you don't ever get over it, you just get better at it. Mm. And while having the also added responsibility of raising little humans, which I think it's just something you never think is going to happen to you until it kind of comes to your door. So first off, I'll come to you, Venetia. So... You have three beautiful boys, and mm. I'm very biased because you also have a son that has the same name as my yeah, son. Yeah, we both have so a we're a, we're a, a special <laughs> club. What was your favorite thing about your husband, about Martin? Uh, we used to laugh a lot. Um, I suppose that was always the big, the initial attraction. Anyway, he was really, really funny guy, um, and we just we get on straight away. I mean, I think we were best friends, really, as well. Like, I mean, like every marriage, it was wasn't plain sailing by any stretch of the imagination. But it's, um, you know, when I think back, like we went through everything, like from having no money, and he set up businesses or businesses didn't work, and it's sort of like, you know, the stress then of having three kids day to day. I mean, there's an amazing joy out of it as well, obviously. But, you know, it, it can be stressful. And if one of you is working loads and the other one isn't. So like we'd everything, like we'd everything that everybody else goes through, such sort of recessionary times, pay, paying bills, not paying bills. So, you know, but even through all of that, um, I think we do great, we'd great fun together in that we always like found something to laugh at and there was always a joke about something and I think that's apart from the fact that he's not there with my kids and with me I think I I think that's the huge thing it's sort of like I'll see something and go oh that's really funny or I'd go to tell him or go to and even 18 months later now I, I still do that um and I found, like we used to go down to Spain every year, I found it difficult to be in 
places that we used to go that we'd have a laugh about something. Um, so and he was he was a very very sort of colourful, loud character, and I think it's a hard. It, there's a big space. There's a big hole. There's a big. I mean, even Arlo and my kids used to get, recently kept getting upset every Tuesday night, and I was like, what? I was trying to think, what is it about Tuesdays? that sets him off and he actually goes to art therapy on a Thursday and it wasn't that, it was something. But it was because he goes swimming with his class in school and every day when they were walking back from swimming to school, Martin used to drive by on the way home from the supermarket and he always had YouTube blaring in the car with the windows down and practically would fall out of the car waving and all the kids would wave and stuff like that. And that's what it was. It's just every Tuesday he thinks of it is Martin though it's, you, you think that when some does it's the massive big things and yes there is the absence of them but it is that m- it's mundane the things. Yeah. it's the little everyday yeah Colette do you when you think of Peter do you think is it is it that is it those things that you too miss I think that's the b- biggest thing you miss is the little things mm-hmm. you know it's the two cups of coffee and you know it's the Jesus did you hear that on the radio this morning it's it's all those straightforward normal things or you know what will we do with the garden we, we the new house was only a few years old you're making plans for the future you know you're trying to do basic things or our daughter she was only three at a time you know the little things she would have done See, and, you were very young as well yeah you know, Kate was three and you were in your early 30s yeah uh, Peter was only 32 when he was killed so we we're just this little family you could say starting out in life you know setting up our home and build you know you know, it was just it was just unbelievable at the time that in in the blink of the eye someone could be gone, and that was just so difficult difficult to comprehend because you know quietly yourself you're you're when you're married you're newly married you're you're picturing you know what will we be like in our forties what would be like in our fifties how many ch- children will we have you know and next thing that's gone and without realizing you had mapped a life for yourself or, or just some sort of uh, path for yourselves. And that's gone. So you're you're trying to, you know, you're trying to rebuild your personality even because you're no longer a wife, you know, there's and I like bef- being a wife. There's the before mm-hmm. yeah. and then there's the after. You know, the whole world, in, in your view, has changed. You know? And Liz, mm-hmm. that's from a professional point of view, it can be such a difficult thing to get your head around because literally like that, somebody turns out a light yeah, and all uh, of that life that you thought, you know, you thought you'd be worrying about your mortgage payments mm-hmm. or... Um, have enough money for all the school books and that's all gone. Yeah, life sort of gets divided into a before and after this massive sort of event um, happened and I think it's not only the loss of the of that person in, in the everyday kind of routines but it's the loss of the imagined future mm. that you had built together and um, a great loss for you in terms of thinking about your children you know growing up without you know their father seeing all of these sort of events and what achievements in their lives mm. and um, it, you know that's it, it's just massive yeah. and it, it extends in time as well mm. I think into the imagined future that never that never was and mm. never never will be and, yeah. and that's very you difficult. You do sort of think about that you do sort of think about like we were talking about the Geltacht before yeah. we started and you know when Felix just came back from the Geltacht recently and he seemed to have grown and he was like he's nearly the same height as me now and I'm sort of going I, it, it made me sad because it made me think Time what is would moving on. Yeah, yeah but also what would he and Martin's relationship be now because he's now a teenager and yeah. he's like 
sort of a big guy and he's really independent and it's sort of how would they get on would they still get on as well as they did and like with, where would they hang out what would they do yeah and just I think that's influence you know, you know what yeah. would, it, would would their personality be you know yeah would, absolutely would it be the same or would yeah. it be different yeah yeah you know and I think that's a weird thing because mm, yeah. you do as you say you sort of imagine this scenario and it is it's an imaginary scenario mm, it's not yeah. a real scenario no. and that's quite hard yeah I find because you know that dad would have said whatever yeah. in a certain situation yeah you know and give me some back yeah. <laughs> yeah you know but, but it yeah. is but yeah. even like they had a very easy relationship yes. they used to watch movies together and yeah they used to hang out and they were they were really really close and i i you know you do you set up this idea in your head yeah and then you realize well actually that's never gonna happen yeah i think that's the cutting i mean kate was course. so young she was only three so little three-year-olds will want to do go to somebody's house or something and i'd say no not this afternoon but she only had me to argue it towards when i was growing up if, if i wanted something you'd run to daddy you yeah know? <laughs> then you'd run back to mammy and i used to yeah. feel so bad like she doesn't have that to and fro and mm. maybe the other parent could bargain with you well you know yeah. it's only for the afternoon or, but even as a parent for backup though yes not yes. that you'd always agree or whatever but there's no backup if something it's like an anchor just to, to, yeah. to secure what you've yeah. said to the child that you know a second opinion sometimes goes better with a child than just one word the whole time yeah you know well it's your decision making because you've nobody to talk out mm. yes the decisions it's mm. you yourself and you to to make to try and think about what would they like or what would they have thought and I always think it's the every death it is sad you know hopefully you've lived a life that people will miss but somebody that's older and has lived a life it's expected we all have to go at some point whereas mm. if somebody is a young parent with young kids it is the grief for the life that was supposed to be mm. the loss mm. of that as opposed to you know, remembering someone that, you know, that lived a good long exa- life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody 80 yeah. that's lived. That's had great grandchildren. Exactly. And, and has you know. seen all those things. Yeah. Mm. How did you, Venetia, you know, try and begin? And this is the problem when you've lost a partner. You're in the midst of your own grief. Yeah. But then you've little people that are relying on you. How did you begin to start to process that? Um, well, I think we're only really processing that now. I think last year... For well, certainly for me, I found the second year tremendously more difficult than the first year because I think the first year, I just think I was just thrown into this. Like I did all the paperwork the first week after he died because I just went, I have to do all this, 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 and this. You're in shock as well, I, but I don't remember actually doing most of it. And I remember doing things like I missed the car insurance, and because I don't drive, so it was in Martinsdale, and then I got this letter about the car insurance and. And, and the other thing was like the bins, like they wouldn't talk to me because I wasn't the account holder and I kept trying to pay them. And it was coming up, the beast knees happened, I don't know, about two weeks after Martin died. And I suddenly was like, oh, I have to make sure the bins are collected. But I don't know because Martin always dealt with that side of things. So, I mean, little things like that. So it was just so busy and so full on. And I think just trying to get get. So, uh, live in somebody live in to help my kids because I was at work and Martin used to do the afternoons and it was all sort of so there was so much to do and so much to organise that I think the first year I certainly didn't even start to process yes we went through all the first milestones but then you're very backed up you're like in this big mm. bubble of people around you so you don't I don't think you have a, even a chance to fall apart 
if that mm. makes sense. At you're the just there, isn't time. Yeah, you're kind of numb as well. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're yeah. numb and you're just, it's like you're carried. You, yeah, you know, the wind from one kind weekend of to the next weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I definitely, I have, like, I think the kids were certainly seem to be okay at, well, not okay, but they didn't fall apart completely at the beginning. It was sort of coming up to Christmas this year, which would have been the first Christmas that I noticed this shift in certainly the two little ones and sort of since then they've definitely been going through the process of trying to process it they're both in different stages from the point of view that the little one Casper was with me so he wasn't there so in his head he's going why did daddy die with Felix and Arlo and not with me whereas Arlo was there and for he was seven at the time and it was sort of quite a traumatic it's hugely death. traumatic for so all of you particularly when they were there but also to see because it was blood and everything um so he's only just dealing with the trauma side of it before he started to process that daddy isn't coming back even though i think we're sort of at that stage now so I think that like for them, they're only really now it's the hard work for them. Mm. It's the really difficult time. It's the time they're angry and you could almost see it like literally from Christmas since before Christmas started. That's when it started to get hard from my point of view for them, for me, with them, do you know, what I mean? because it just started kicking in then. You know, and that's the thing, Liz, for kids, how they conceptualize like it's difficult enough as an adult mm. to try and explain life and death for a small person. You know, your parent is your your kind of world. And for them to suddenly not be there, it must be so immense for them. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, children at different stages of development and at different ages are going to have a very different understanding of death. Um, mm. I mean, the younger children will think about death in very sort of concrete terms. So the idea of somebody being sort of absent um, is very real to them, even to, a, a you know, a toddler or, or an infant. Um, and then obviously, as as children get older um, and are able to to, but I mean, even at different ages, the children will think about that absence in a very um, sort of different way. Young children tend to be quite egocentric in how they think about the world. Well, and they're the sun, everybody yeah. else, yeah. Yeah. Planet surrounding <laughs> them, revolves around them. So they'll have these really often very irrational thoughts, like mm. it's their fault that the person died, you know, even mm. though there's no logic to it. But because they set themselves at the centre of everything, yeah. they think their behaviour has in some, some respect sort of caused this. Yeah. in some yeah. shape or form. I know definitely one of mine has that... The worry. You know, that yeah. sort of, because it comes out yeah. a yeah. lot. Yeah, and then obviously the older children, um, you know, they, they understand more about death and the idea that death is final, mm. but also the idea that anybody can die at mm. any time and that creates a lot of anxiety so this, for children because the worst thing has happened yeah so every fairy story doesn't end happily sure. and, and if this could out, if this could happen to dad well it maybe it could to happen mom. to mum as well mm. you know yeah. um and, and that can be very overwhelming for them and Colette one thing I know that you said and have said previously is that 
even though she was very young, that it was about being honest mm. as in in so far as she could understand. Yeah, in an age-appropriate way. But that you felt that being honest and not saying, yeah. oh, they've just gone on holidays, as some people might think that they're buffering their little yeah, person, but it, actually to, to it say doesn't it. doesn't actually help because I remember someone had mentioned to her that... Um, now, it's not being cruel, you're just saying daddy can't come back. You know, he'd love to come back, you know, and it wasn't, I went through all the names and that wasn't her fault. And But someone mentioned um, there's a star in heaven, it's your dad, you know, and in junior infants, there was this, uh, not these meteor showers mm-hmm. and she wouldn't go to bed and I had to sit with her and she'd leave the curtains open. She thought daddy would pass, you know, little mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. which kind of makes it harder as a parent you know, when people bring in these that are as beautiful as they are, mm. I found that really difficult, you know. Um, they think they're saying something helpful, yes, but it actually yeah, just kind of confuses it, it the really little person yeah, a bit. Yeah, it, it did, you know, it did. And even we were going on our first holiday, <clears throat> so going up in the plane, she thought she'd be able to look at, she wanted a window mm. seat so she could see daddy, mm. you know. Mm. So little things like that, it's it just, you, you, you know, you have to prepare yourself because mm. you can see them you know, this is what's going to happen. You know your kid and you can see the little path that they're trying to explain to you, you know, you know, we go up in the plane, will I see daddy? And you're preparing yourself for that trip to... And they're on their little heads. I mean, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's happened. Yeah. And also you're trying to figure out what's happened as well. Yeah, yeah. So So it's it's that double-edged sword. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for a parent or an adult, a grown adult to understand that a young person has passed away. You know, how in God's name can a little three year old or a young child understand I think that's it? Where you also have to keep reminding people because I think sometimes people forget yeah. that it can trigger. You know, we talked a good bit about the 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 sort of the, when it hits you like a train and you sort of you can be anywhere. You can be in the supermarket, you can be walking to work or Driving. Whatever you're doing, <coughs> driving a car was the one that got me every time. Yeah, yeah. like it's 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 so. And that's bizarre. when it does happen. At but song will come on. It's you'll be just, totally ill prepared, yeah. and boom. But it can be anything. Like a couple of weeks ago, the kids got their school reports, and there's one because Casper's very like his dad in personality, and um, there was quite a funny comment on his report, and I just that was absolutely floored me because I wanted to tell Martin, I say you know, because he would have been so. We'd have had such a laugh about that. And you sort of forget, I think, then with kids that that can happen to them too. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can be walking into town as we were the other day and one of them just started kicking off for absolutely no reason. And you just have to go with it yeah. because there's nothing. But you have to put yourself in their heads and go, yeah. well, maybe they're having this moment. Yeah. You know, maybe this is their train moment and maybe this is. This is, you know, you allowed them that yeah. little bit of air. And you sort of yeah. have to. You do. You know? Yeah. I remember when Kate used to go to um, birthday parties when she was younger and it took me a while to make the connection or even to a park. But mm. I had awful job when I tried to leave the park or try to leave the the party yeah. because she didn't want to leave. And he said, God, you know, you know, it's time now. You must be hungry at least, yeah. you know. But in the park, she'd stand and she'd watch all the dads, you know. Yeah. And then when you come home, mm. there'd be tears for hours, like, mm. and asking, why isn't daddy here? Mm. You know, you just, you just had to go with it and mm. let them ask all the questions and, you know, you, you reassure them as best you can. But I did notice that pattern for a long time afterwards. Yeah, it's yeah. funny you didn't, like our first, we did, um, when we went on a holiday of friends, but the next holiday I took the kids, for, actually for Martin's anniversary, on just the four of us. 
went away and it was sort of hotel. There was, of course, loads of dads, whatever. And it's, you notice, you do notice yeah. it. I don't, yeah. Never, that would never enter your head yeah. before. But I was wondering because the kids were making friends and stuff and they sort of go up to different tables and sit with whoever. And the first thing one of them kept saying was, you know, my dad, my daddy died. Yes. And it yeah. was almost like, I'm telling you, so you don't ask. Yes. And yeah. it was, you know, and it was sort of, it was like almost like a defence. It was also very matter, matter of matter fact. Matter of fact, because yeah. then all these parents kept coming up to me going, I'm really sorry that I didn't know. Yes. And it was like, yeah. okay, I really want to say it's okay <laughs> again. But but that was their way of, of yeah. dealing with it, which is Yeah, she used to do the same. She'd amazing. come up to this uh, grown adult and you go, my daddy's dead. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh God, you know, the poor yeah. person would be, you know, and you just wonder, <laughs> you know. It is I think that shows how amazing you guys are as mothers, though, that you enabled your kids and are enabling your kids to be really honest about something that's very important to them and that they're able to have those words as opposed to somebody else, you know, it's happened and perhaps their parent isn't dealing with it like that. And the kid, they, they in, inward look at instead of saying it out. Is, does that happen sometimes with kids? That they yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the best thing um, as, as um, you know, as has been talked about here is is to allow children the space to, uh, I suppose, express, you know, what, what I'm sure are very jumbled up experiences mm. for them. And I guess, you know, the role of parents is to try and help the child put some meaning or make sense of it because you know, I, I guess what's going to come first for the child is the, is the emotion of it. And then, you know, you can kind of scaffold around them and think, oh, OK, well, you know, this is what it is about coming home from the park. That's difficult for Kate or this is why, you know, such and such happens on a Tuesday. You, you know, so you're able to to sort of um, help the child make sense of, of the of the experiences. And I guess one of the challenges for parents who are going through their own grief process is that you know maybe they just don't have the resources to do that because mm. they're you know they're they're uh, yeah, lost after, and that's one mm, of the hardest things I yeah. would imagine you know after Peter died I I was so petrified that I would lead her wrong and that she'd grow up with all sorts of traumas from mm. the passing of her father <clears throat> excuse me so I went to um, bookstores and there was nothing in the bookstores and God even went to the bookstore and knock and you know I went all over the place um, the only thing I could find at the time there were more textbooks mm. and you know when you're grieving it's really hard to yeah. read and, and I did take away a few things from it but now I see you know you, you mentioned before the Irish bereavement in the children's Sure so the Childhood Bereavement Irish Childhood Bereavement Network on their mm. website which is Childhood Bereavement .ie, they have access to lots of resources and, you know, for parents as well as for professionals and teachers who might, you know, sort yeah. of have children in their class who are going through this. And it's just, you know, really useful to to, to get some guidance on, you know, what, what might be a good thing to say to a five-year-old. Yeah. What it's reassurance maybe as well. What an 11-year-old yeah. need to hear. You know, yeah. it gives you a sense of where children are And again, are as you said, being age-appropriate because mm. it is, and that's the thing about grief, it is not straight line it's not even a circle it is a bumpy wave mm. and you have to there are peaks and troughs and you have to go with it and it changes constantly which I think is the toughest bit thank you so much for all of those insights in in part one in part two we'll be discussing more about the supports more about also the short-term and long longest long-term effects and also the biggest challenges moving forward welcome back to part two of our parenting and grief on the motherboard podcast so one of the things I'd be very interested to hear about is 
other people's reactions to what you've been through can be either hugely helpful or unhelpful and for the mm. kids as well. Venetia, how do you find kind of what other people say and do can be, you know, can affect you or the kids? Um, well, I think in general, people are amazing. And I mean, I certainly think that we've had just incredible support from friends, the school, like my kids, friends, parents. It's like it's been incredible. And it is, you particularly know when somebody has gone through it because they just get in there they manage to say the right thing they do the right thing you know there'll be people who don't listen to you when you've maybe said look this is the way we're handling it so or I'm handling it so on the vi- on the advice of the kids therapist so it's sort of like well this is what I've how I've been told to handle it so if you could do it this way too and they might just not do it that way um, or somebody might say well you know, if one of them has a meltdown, well, you know, it's hard for other kids to understand that. And I sort of feel, well, if the roles were reversed, I'd be trying to help my child understand it because you never know when it's going to happen to you, whether it's a grandparent or a parent or do you know what I mean? And I think it's important because I think it teaches kids empathy as well and compassion for each other. But it can, it can be tricky. I mean, look, you know, mine invariably have... Um, meltdowns as I said like one of them had a meltdown on the way into town the other day called me everything under the sun <laughs> there was people standing there and looking because he's you know above the age where you should be doing that sort of thing and I'm just so I just zone out of it I don't actually see what other people are but looking you're at fo- you're I focused on your kids yeah but I think it also all you want is for them to be happy again that's all you want in life and for them for this not to be something that defines them and for that to happen, I believe you've got to let them get it out, you know, whether it's not the right time, whether it's in the middle of an airport or on a packed plane or, you know, <laughs> wherever it is they decide is the right time to do it. Um, then you've just got to go with it because otherwise, if I think if they build it up and build it up and build it up, I think it's difficult because you've also got to kids or kids. So I have a teenager, which bit is teenage angst, which bit is him missing his dad, the two little ones, which is just them not being very well behaved or it's... That's the confusion, you know, isn't it? Like, it which is, is the grief and which and is just, normal? You it, know? Yeah, and yeah. you tend to sort of always go, you try to, it's the grief because you're yeah. just wanting to help them. Yes. But then... Sometimes is it not really, and you've got to sort of, or sometimes is she playing up a bit? Exactly. Uh, to so get, it's where yeah, to yeah. find that, that balance. balance. Yeah. And again, with n- having nobody to do that oh, balance yeah, with, yeah, just that second opinion so that adds <laughs> to the pressure. Yeah. You know, a yeah. little bit. No, I find it. Yeah. And Liz, that's the thing, isn't it? With kids, it is all jumbled up. So it isn't that. Well, this this part of the tantrum is is grief based. Yeah. This is because it's hormonal based. Where in their head, it's totally jumbled up. So as parents, how do you start to support a parent in supporting their kid when they're when they're going through this? I mean, I suppose an important first step is for, you know, for parents to understand that I suppose you can't ever, you know, in the case of the child having the tantrum, is it to do with, you know, aspects of their normal development? Mm. Is it to do with the fact that they're going through this grieving process? we don't really know and maybe it doesn't really matter or we can never know. I mean, what you just have to do is try and deal with it. Mm -hmm. 
there and then as you would with any child who is experiencing, you know, this kind of behaviour. And I suppose as a parent, a lot of it involves trying to um, to understand what lies at the root mm. of the behaviour. And oftentimes it's an emotional sort of response to something. And it could very well be, you know, the death of their parent, but it could also be they had a row with their friends or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. And I suppose it's just about trying to keep the lines of communication open. And I think, as Venetia said earlier, it's about trying to sort of get into their head and understand, you know, it from sort of their their point of view. And I guess, you know, children, I, I think, respond well to boundaries as well. And, yeah. you know, look, I understand that you're feeling this, but, you know, it's not appropriate to shout at me in the middle of the street or mm. let's talk about this when you get home or when we get home or, you know, um, that 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 discipline and boundaries are an important part of parenting and they do give children that sense of security mm-hmm. um, and that sense of sort of, you know, belonging somewhere. So I think you don't, hard as it is, because your own resources mm. are already kind of depleted, mm. you don't want to kind of let mm. let them get away with everything. You do, they do better yeah. with a good routine. Absolutely. As hard as it can be at some times. Yeah. 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 I did notice that with her once we got her back into routine. She was within reason after the funeral that she did better yeah she was used to going to a crash so that was actually a godsend because it gave me time just to breathe and try to comprehend yeah. what we were going through and she had that normal time as the she, structure yeah I think is yeah very, to play with all her yeah. friends and everything and it's also somewhere where peter wouldn't necessarily have been no so everything's fine yeah. and she was used to mom not being there because yeah. when we were at home I mean, if I even just brought the bin out, she'd get into a panic if I hadn't told her yeah. that I had emptied the bin and gone outside. I'd be only in the back door mm. and I hear this child freaking out inside. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm running. anxiety yeah, there. Yeah, for a long time after. Yeah. It took a long time just to reassure her, look, you know, I was once I dropped her, say, to school or whatever, she was fine. You know, mum was gone to work. That's normal. You know, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, you know, it, like the rest of us, you know, being distracted mm. and taking you away from your from, you know, mm. your grief or the absence um, for, you know, periods of time can mm. be kind of a, a relief. I'm sure there yeah. are times when you find yourself so busy doing something that you're like, God, I haven't even thought about, it. Yeah. you know, yeah. um, Martin or Peter for. Um, you know, in the last hour and you kind of didn't nearly realize. And I think children kind of need needs that as well. And yeah. just to get back to a little bit mm. of a bit, bit of normality and being being around things that generally occupy children's I mean, time. Everyone processes minds. differently. But what I very much admire about both Colette and Venetia Venetia, you have set up an amazing podcast, which I listen to and I've listened to outside of this. It's called Grief Encounters, which is a fantastic mm. name. But what you've tried to do, if I can kind of paraphrase it, is kind of open this conversation that we need. This is going to come to everybody's door in Mm. one way or another. And we need to be able to talk about it in a better way. How has that helped you process your own situation? I think, well, there's three things I think that out of grief and counting in my head, um, because I do it with uh, Sasha Hamroke, is one was by listening to other people's stories and in my head some are 100% worse than my situation is so that gives you you realise you're not in the worst situation ever um, also when you're filling out like a, a widow's pension form when you're 
44 I know like you're younger but it's it's just the most it took me three goes to do it with a friend who was an accountant because I just the two of us sat there crying it's an almighty document as well it's pages oh it's ridiculous but you just couldn't you know and there's things as well like that they didn't tell you were entitled to that I found out completely because of what I do for a living and I talked to like a financial advisor once a week said you know you can get this and I didn't know that do you know what I said there's all these things so between you know, giving some some people somewhere to go if they had, were recently bereaved or if they've been bereaved a long time because there's a Facebook page that's associated with it. And a lot of people come and tell their stories um, is also give practical advice, like what you're entitled to. The fact that, you know, at a funeral, the ashes are really heavy. So don't be carrying them home. Do you know what I mean? Like little things like that that people don't think about. Um, or would have no idea about it unless they've been uh, there. Absolutely. And the other thing as well is for people who, I mean, what came up a lot, and I think we talked about this, Colette, before as well, is how you talk to people when somebody has died. And, um, you know, I look back and I think, God, what did I say to that person? That's the most ridiculous thing I ever said. Because now I know. But like things that are said, like Galette and I have talked before about the at least. Well, at least you're young. Well, at least you have the kids. Well, at least he wasn't stuck in hospital for ages. And it's like, well, I would have liked at least to have said goodbye. Do you know what I mean? So that's not helpful. So it's sort of maybe helping people how to help people that they love that are going through this. Because so many people don't know what to do. And all they want to do is help. But they don't know how to help. So I think that's by listening to stories and listening to other people's situation, whether it's, you know, myself and Clet's situation or whether it's, it's like a good suicide, open, yeah. murder, dementia, what cancer, whatever it is, you know, it's and whatever relationship it is, it's trying to help get all the different aspects to grief out there. Um, and, and for get people, people talking about it and get people and help people not say people. the stupid thing yeah. and say the you know well in fairness most people don't realise they're saying no ridiculous things when I look back in it but it is that sort of it's not what helpful they used to, to say, say to Kate what, like to me about Kate was yeah. God at least she's young she'll never remember her father oh. and she actually overheard it a few times and the truck, oh, oh my brain. God, she was screaming and kicking up and giving out about. I mean, we had got her passport the month before Peter passed away. Mm. So that was a big Luckily. deal. Yeah, I know, <laughs> because it's, it's a minefield. Yeah. And um, five years later, of course, we've renewed. So yeah. she was, what, eight? Yeah. And she could describe to the guard in the guard station when I was getting all the forms yeah. redone. Yeah. Um, she could tell us where dad was standing. Mm. He was holding her, what he was wearing, mm. where I was. You know, and she was only three at the time. Mm. So people shouldn't underestimate children. They're they're clever in many ways than you might Mm. imagine. And they do remember things, you Mm. know. And Colette, as part of your network, you actually set up the most amazing thing, which is widow.ie and kind of took back the ownership of that word as well. Because I think when people hear widow... Yeah, to it's, amazing women like are sitting in front of me are not the first things that you think of an older person. Yes. And you've set up this really fantastic community and resource for people. Could you tell me a bit about that? The word itself, widow, it's uh, it was it's a hard word to deal with. And I really didn't want to have a website called widow.ie. Even the thoughts of it, it's just terrific. But 
for Google and all that, and it makes sense. It's I'm kind of a person, if whatever it says on the tin, that's what it does. So I says, well, we'll go with that. But when I was um, recently bereaved, I couldn't find literature. I couldn't find resources. I actually didn't know what I was even looking for. I didn't know mm-hmm. counselling was for someone who'd lost a spouse or for bereavement counselling, or I didn't even know counselling was for children. To me, that was a whole different world. And really and truly, all I wanted to do was talk to other people who were widowed maybe a few years down the line and just to tell me that you'll survive, you know, you'll, you'll get through this because in those initial weeks and months, I couldn't see life getting any better. It was just horrific. And I really mm. worried about, you know, am I rearing my child r- right? You know, how will I get her through this? You know, um, who would know o- only other people who are widowed with children, mm. you know, or even oh, it didn't matter what age they were, you know, they just could correspond. So I came across these this uh, similar site in America and was really it was really good. But, you know, the Americans have a different way of going on. I mean, it was good, but they didn't know to know the, the local Irish ways of, you know, the, the month's mind and all these different things. You know, they wouldn't have a clue. So I tried this group and made this website. And when people eventually after time started connecting and talking, it was just a relief. It was just such a relief to know that I wasn't alone, that there was mm. people out there going through it. And there was so many people going through. Would you believe mm. like there's, I think it's uh, people in their young people, there's over 50,000 young people. Wow, uh, it incredible. works out about uh, nearly in Ireland. Yeah, there's mm. uh, with children. It's nearly three people a day are affected with young children that a part a, a husband or a wife passes away that's 2016 central statistics mm. figures so it's quite a lot out there you know mm. it is amazing when you see it as well like mm. how with the podcast we've as the same with the facebook page and people will just come on and leave their stories yeah and an awful lot of people are yeah. like young yeah Particularly mothers, I think. Yes, it's it mostly. Comes through. Yeah, I mean, our, our group, yeah. like your group, our group um, takes men or women, but they're widowed. Whereas your group takes anybody, uh, anybody <laughs> yeah. if you've lost your father or yeah. a sibling or, or a spouse. Or a child. Yeah, yeah, or a child, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing as well, Liz, what I want for people listening at home, because I know there'll be people listening going, okay, this has just happened or this happened a while ago. Where do I go? How do I start? So what would your advice be for somebody that's on the start of this journey? Where can they go for real help and assistance and advice other than listening to Grief mm-hmm. Encounters and Widow.a, which are two amazing resources? Where else can they can they get some assistance? I mean, I think that, you know, people should look first and foremost, obviously, that, you know, the kind of resources that are out there in the Internet is great for those those kind of things as well. I guess, you know, reaching out to friends and, and family as well. But I suppose in terms of the children and trying to kind of understand how best to talk to children, as I've mentioned, the Childhood Bereavement website, you know, is very good. And there there is a lot more resources out there than there probably would have been, Colette, when you were going through, um, there is, yeah. you know, um, this um, 11 years ago. Um you know, in terms of being able to access, you know, counselling services for children, you know, um, Venetia, you mentioned um, art therapy. Mm. I mean, that can be a very useful way, particularly with younger children, to help them kind of, you know, sort of ex- express their um, the feelings and try and put some mm. sense onto them. Um, but I mean, not all children are going to kind of need counselling. Um, I think that's the sort of, you know, the parents call um, if after a long period of time, it seems that the child is stuck 
at a particular point, then counselling can be a good idea. I think it can be useful for children to have somebody to talk to outside the family, mm. because I think one thing that maybe children find difficult is that they don't want to upset you know, mum, you know, by talking about dad, mm. even though they actually have quite a lot of questions, you know, mm. they want maybe a space that's just for them. Um, and so in, in those kind of situations, um, something like counselling can be very diff- can be very useful. Um, I mean, I think one of the issues is that there's not very much uh, state funded support out yeah. for children. So if, if you do want yeah. to avail of counselling, yeah. in, you're inevitably going to have to pay for it. Uh, you know, which I think it's like is, everything. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are good like services like rainbows and sure. nowadays, but like yeah, eighteen yeah. months down the line, my kids are still on the waiting list. Yeah, so it's like, and there's a great yeah. place in Limerick. Uh, set up by Sister Helen Colhane, the uh, Children's Grief Centre, which, you know, um, serves the community down there. But again, I think they have a waiting list, unfortunately, Mm. and they do receive some funding from the HSC and Tusla and that kind of thing. But, you know, they're massively under under resourced. Sometimes these groups, they put children, bereaved children in with children whose parents are only separated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can work. But in other situations, it doesn't work. So there's no, you know, if we could really do just a bereavement group for children that are bereaved, you know. Yeah, I think that separation, well, obviously, um, you Traumatic know, can bring, too, bring yeah. huge loss for children. I think they're quite different situations. So there are some commonalities, but I think there are there are distinctions. So I'm not sure mm. the extent to which mm. mixing the two groups of children mm. may necessarily work or if indeed all children will work well yeah, in that kind of group, group setting. Yeah. It really is likely well, to depend on child the child. And also at, at what stage they are. Mm. Yeah. But just to kind of turn around to showing that there is life and living with this. Colette, you know, you have your daughter, you have a very full life. I know certainly when I have gone through my periods of grief, I never thought that I would be able to laugh again. I always thought that there would be a massive hole in my life. And to a certain extent, there has been. But I have lived and live a very content, happy, loving and full life. What would you advise or say to somebody at home who is at the stage where they think this is it now? I'm I'm just never going to feel any better from this. Yeah, I know that. I know that feeling of not being able to picture anything better than what you're going through now. But in short, I can reassure that in time there will be that morning when you wake up where it won't be the first thought on your mind, you know, that you won't wake with a heavy heart. You know, it does slowly, gently allow yourself to grieve when you need to grieve. It does get better, you know, Um, write about it, talk about it, you know, whatever you're going through. Join our group, you know, listen to Mm. the Grief Encounters podcast, you know, educate yourself, I suppose you could say. But allow yourself to grieve, you know, take that moment. You know, we have a member who's who was it was suggested to him to uh, take a room a space in his bedroom, put a chair there and a little table and a mm-hmm. candle, you know, and take 20 minutes out of the day. That's where he allowed himself to grieve, you know, and he was trying to rear young children and he did. And then when he was finished grieving, well, as much as he could, mm-hmm. he, he, he blew out the candle and then he, mar- you know, continued on as best he could. You know, allow yourself to grieve. But, you know, it does, it does gradually, slowly, as we call the, the widow's fog, you know, where yeah. the memory, your memory is, is difficult. It's hard to remember what you had for breakfast. Mm. That does gradually all come back, you know. But yes, just 
look after yourself, feed yourself, sleep when you can, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. My dad used to listen to, used to work very early in the mornings and my sister was 14 when my mum died and it happened quite suddenly. So dad used to, when he was driving in the car, um, he used to listen to Maxie on the radio oh, yeah. and considered her a very close friend. <laughs> um, but he said that was his time to really yeah. think about my mom and mm. just allow himself just to have that moment. Mm. Venetia, for people listening at home, and I mean, I cannot advise them more to listen to your podcast. It really is really beautiful and a very lovely way to honour, you know, th- th- your husband's memory. Mm. But somebody might be listening at home thinking, how do I, how do I cope? What do I do? What advice could you give to them? Um, <laughs> no, um, no, I do. I mean, like, look, I think you do, as Colette said, you do get through it. Uh, some days are better than the other, better than others. Um, I find the weekends horrendous because I think it's the time that for me hits home that Martin isn't around. Um, I noticed with the kids, they'll start fighting Friday evening uh, because for them as well, like it was the weekends were family time. We shared all the sort of drama and dancing runs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's also because, you know, Saturday nights we make dinner. Sunday, very family day. And I think for anybody, whether you're single or whatever, whether, you know, you're bereaved, Sundays can be an incredibly lonely day for an awful lot of people. And I think like if you're a friend of somebody who's single or bereaved or whatever, send them a text. Just mm. ask what they're doing. Do you want to go for a run? Do you want to go for a walk? Why don't we meet and have a pint? Do we go for something to eat with the kids or whatever it is? That's the day because that's the day that always seems, no matter how busy you are, seems to be never ending. But for somebody starting out, I would say, you know, it does, I think, <laughs> get better. It, you, you, you do learn how to manage on a day to day. I mean, like all the things you used to find. I mean, it's, it is never ending. If you're on your own with kids, you can be in bed. I get up very early in the morning. You're in bed at 10 o'clock Sunday night and you suddenly realise you haven't put the bins out or so-and-so you haven't done something for somebody's lunchbox or whatever. So from that side, of it, it's endless. Like, get as much help as you can. Let people, if people, and anyone listening to this will actually go, well, you don't, but let people, <laughs> if they offer to take your kids, let mm. them take them. Like, I have an amazing friend who's always offering to take both of them. And I'm sort of, I can't let her take them Accept again. help, learn to but accept like, help. Learn to, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I would be... Are you independent? Very you know? bad at yeah. delegating. I'm a bit of a control freak. And it, you do start to lose that, but you do have to learn to accept Yeah, because I, I, I was quite independent before. Mm. Like as a couple, as a married couple, you're independent. You know, yeah. you, you don't realise it. But then all of a sudden... You're, you you're, you, yeah, you're dependent. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have milk and bread bought before the child went to bed, that's it. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, you know. And it, there's no calling anyone at that hour, yeah. right? You know, but you know, all that. You know, you, you felt strong before, but then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're this weakling. You know, mm. in, in your own mind, you know, you're you're not that strong, independent person. You know, and it's learning to map your life around all this now. Yeah, you know? and it is. You become very good at planning. Yeah. Like everything's planned. Down, <laughs> I had to write everything down, down yeah. because I just couldn't remember. You forget. Yeah. That is one thing I think that goes as well. Your your short term memory. Yeah, very much so. Disappear. Like I'm starting to get my mind back slowly, yeah. but it is quite a sort of a thing where like I forget. Why one of these notebooks? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good idea. But I do, I forget like little things. Yeah. That, what was it I was supposed to do? Or, yeah somebody's face or name or which I'd always have been 
pretty good at. Yes, that's and what that's I found too. Frustrating. Yeah. And that's annoying. It comes back. It does it come does, back. Okay. But use notebooks. I, I, millions of notebooks. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, oh, also, it's, it's very fresh for you. Like, I remember yeah. when my mum died. I don't really remember that first year. No, it's mm. blue. It's, it's, I couldn't yeah. really tell you yeah. I, pictures, but that's more from an actual physical picture. Couldn't yeah. really. And I would, I'd be very good at remembering stuff. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Couldn't really, you know, tell you anything about that. And I think that there is a protective mechanism in your head yeah. that you can only really cope with mm. as much as you can. Uh, yeah, so no, you're, uh-huh. all of your energy yeah. is going into just. But it's name. exhausting. Totally. It's mm. like even sometimes. You know, I do a breakfast show, so I am up early and then, you know, kids, whatever, it's always busy. But sometimes you're just, you're so exhausted just from. Everything, every muscle, every cell in your body is exhausted. I think you're trying to, your brain is going overload to try and catch up to where it used to be, if that makes sense. But you're never going to be able to catch up and that's the exhaustion. Yeah. And that's sort of, I mean, that's another thing. I think you learn to deal with things and I think. There's, if you're going to say positive aspects, like you realize how amazing friends you have, you realize how amazing your kids are, you know, um, how amazing the person that was that passed away. But I think also you you learn a lot about yourself because you learn how resilient you are and you learn not to really give two hoots about what other people think. <laughs> no, or what, yeah. You know, you don't Definitely. because you just go. But you, know you can't, you can't you allow that to come in on you. Yeah, yeah. You, you learn, you become intolerant of people that just idiots yeah it is and they, they don't <laughs> Sorry, get it for the lack of a better word and that's <laughs> actually, but it is, it's actually a really good thing in your life because you're getting rid of the bad stuff mm. and the negative stuff there's a clear out and it's, it yeah, is yeah. like it's a what's her name a Marie Kondo of annoying people liberation from yeah. idiots would be yeah. a great <laughs> title for a book yeah well I mean I will I'll keep on that theme of amazing though thank you both to thank you to both of you for sharing your story and Liz as well, Venetia and Colette, you are amazing women and the story that you have to tell is both painful and powerful and really kind of breathtaking. And I can only imagine what great men Peter and Martin were to recognise how great that you two women are. And this podcast really is to honour both, both of their memories. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and Liz, thank you so much for your input as well. No problem. It, none of these subjects are easy, but that's why we need to talk about them more. And I hope if somebody is at home listening that they can hear these stories and feel that there is hope, but also a lack of isolation, which mm. I think that grief brings you yeah. and that people do care. And there are lots of resources. We'll have all those resources up on Family Friendly HQ and do listen to the podcast. Look at widow.ie, the Children's Grief Centre, Irish Childhood Bereavement Network. All of those resources are there. We hope we've encouraged a more on- honest but positive perspective on grief. And, and just say the person's name, mention them. Yeah. And in that, very much so, this is in honour of both Peter and Martin.